0: Turn up your volume. Your
1: because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast The, sick podcast. the Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Ravenmark!
0: The sickest NHL podcast. It's going to be sick. And welcome to another edition of the iTest here on the sick podcast network. I'm Jimmy Murphy. That's Pierre McGuire. And we're going to get right into it, folks. We teed him up yesterday. Our good friend, a legend in the game of college hockey and pro hockey, Billy O'Flaherty joining us here on the eye test on, on campus Friday. Hey Billy. How you doing guys? Uh,
2: first of all, before we get started, let's, uh, 44 years in a day, a shout out to, uh, the great Herb Brooks. Oh, yes. Know, USA hockey for the yes. miracle
0: on ice. Yeah, we spoke about that yesterday. Pierre had a great story, actually, about being with Herb. With uh, Was it with Bob McKenzie, right?
1: Bob and Gord at the 2002 Winter Olympics at the airport in Salt Lake after it was over. And man, oh, man, was he a passionate hockey person. I know Coach O'Flaherty knew him well, but uh, he was obviously a tremendous legend in, in the hockey world. Yes, he was, for sure. Sure.
0: So how things, Billy?
2: Uh, pretty good. Uh, like a lot of seventy-seven-year-old people, like <laughs> have got some elements here and there, but
1: we'll work through them. The one thing that hasn't been affected, Jimmy, is his mind. Yeah, I'm telling you right now. If you want to talk hockey with somebody besides Scotty Bowman, I think Billy O'Flaherty's your guy. I'm just telling you right now.
0: All right, Billy. If you can slant a little to the your, so that would be your left, I believe. Yeah, go to your left, coach. There you go.
1: Get a little more left. left. Okay.
0: We'll get yeah, it, got you. We want to see your handsome face, coach. We'll get it. We'll
1: get it. There you go.
0: I got perfect. it. Perfect. There you go. perfect. Perfect. So, Billy, for for those that you know might not know you in our in our viewers section or our listener section, uh, why don't you tell them about you? You know, how you got things going at Clarkson and and just sort of your your track throughout your career.
2: Well, uh, I can thank first of all uh, Lenny Sklarish, my, uh Great hockey coach, two-time winner of the Spencer Penrose, brought me to Clarkson. I'm forever grateful for that.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And then uh, Jerry York was my first hire. uh, I was his first hire, I mean, and gave me every opportunity. Uh, We cut our teeth together, so to speak. Uh, He was 26 and I was 25. Uh, I like to say we have 1,300 wins together. he has about 1150 <laughs> and uh but you know two great people that get you know I'll be uh, forever grateful to because of all the things that they did for me
0: yeah it's great and so when you got to Clarkson I mean it's obviously a different college hockey world now than it was then just kind of give us some insight what what it was like coming up the ranks there well
2: I would say this uh, first of all, I played on our uh, 1970 team at Clarkson, and we lost to the undefeated Cornell. uh, Six to four at Lake Placid in the national finals. We lost to him 3-2 in the Eastern finals. Then we lost, Brian Cropper was in goal, and most people think it was Dryden. Uh, But I left for two years and came back as an assistant, and I was Jerry's first hire. And like I said, we cut our teeth together. And I think the first thing we, when that team in Lake Placid was a great team, but we only had one American-born player, and he was a spare goalie, second goalie, okay. backup goalie. And uh, one thing we did, we started to recruit a lot of Americans from New York State. We even had, when I was coach at Clarkson, we had three or four kids right from Potsdam, uh, Kelly Morgan, Billy Norton, uh, Tommy Taylor, and we, scoured the North country. We had several players from Northwood prep who are Messina kids out of Messina high school. We had guys from uh, Augsburg, New York, but we got a lot of good, good players out of New York state. And uh, we set up a great, I think the one thing we did from say about 72 to 86, we established a recruiting base. Uh, Mm -hmm. Before that, I don't know if you know this, uh, uh, Pierre probably does, but up until uh about nineteen seventy-two, schools could have as many scholarships as they wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, so there wow. were you know, my class had eleven and then there was another class following that with eleven. And in seventy-two it was the very first year, I think, that the NCA came in and they gave you were allowed to give twenty-three scholarships. Okay. They quickly changed it within a year the next year down to twenty and two years later it went to eighteen. So, you know, we in the 60s and 70s, a lot of like people like Lenny, the alum would call up, say, hey, take this guy, take Pierre Maguire and take Jimmy Murphy. Uh And automatically they'd show up on campus with, you know, on his (laughs) hockey scholarship. So those days were gone because first thing I said to Jerry, Jerry, you know, we got to get out and and scour the, the woods for these guys because, you know, you need players. Good players make good coaches and, You know, we just got, you know, I said, hey, let's start looking at those midget lists from Ontario, Quebec, you know, because somebody likes those players. They were drafted Mm -hmm. by somebody, one of the major A teams. And, you know, we're going to find a nugget here and there. And then, you know, it's going to be a base for us. And then, you know, we're going to give more New York State kids a chance to play. And I'll never never forget my first trip. (laughs) uh, An alumnus calls up and it's in about September first week in September. And there's a junior B game in uh, Belleville. And the guy, he, the guy calls him from Peterborough's in Lumba, and says, I uh, want you to go and watch Jimmy Kingdon," And he's where number 15. They're playing in Belleville tonight. Peterborough junior Bs. Okay. So I tell Jerry, well, I'm going down to that game tonight. It's about a two and a half hour drive from Potsdam. So I get in the car, drive down there. I'm at the game early. And, uh, Peterborough comes out for the warm-up. This guy tells me Jimmy King's going to be number fifteen, and I'm uh-huh. looking and looking and looking. No fifteen. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so I'm going to learn a lesson the first year. If I'm only going to watch one player, call the coach or call the kid and find out if he's yeah, playing.
0: exactly. Anyways,
2: I watched the game, and a guy with a cane and a dog could have found Ricky Mahar. <laughs> I mean, he, he was very talented. And we get his older brother Terry, was mm-hmm. at BU at the time but uh, had kind of struggled in his first year. He had you know he was maybe the first crop of uh, freshman eligibility it was probably I think it was 72 was the first year that it started 72 73. anyways, so uh, we end up we get uh, BU since Ricky or Terry had struggled a little BU didn't know how good Ricky was. Uh huh. And so we got him committed and wow. he was going to come in in the same class as Dave Taylor. And so what happens, I'm talking to Parker a couple of years back. He tells me the story. Well, you know, I lost two kids in the summer and we were talking about the gold medal there before. Right. I lost Alex Pierce to Notre Dame and, and another guy, I don't know his name, can't recall it, but he was from Montreal, mm-hmm. and he got Ricky Mahar away from us. I'm going to say poached him, <laughs> Parker. Like that word, decommitted. Let's work yeah. be nice to Parker, right. anyways. And uh, Mike Arruzioni, who ends up getting the winning goal, and so wow. it's, he, who was committed to Merrimack. So Parker got his two guys in the summer to replace the two that he lost.
1: Jimmy, here's what I can tell you about the coach. He coached in one of the most iconic buildings in all of college hockey, Walker uh-huh. Arena, and it was legendary for this awful bell that if you were the visitors, you just didn't want to hear a ring. You think the cannon shot in Columbus is bad? I can ask, you yeah. can hear the bell at Walker Arena. But he also was responsible for helping build the magnificent building that's at Clarkson right now. Coach, tell us about how awesome Walker Arena was for the home team, not the visitors. Well, badger bob called it
2: the uh, greatest home ice advantage in college hockey but i would also say you know we had an awful lot of good teams and we won a lot of road games as well and but i would grant it that uh grant him the fact that walker was tough to play and uh, you know we had a, a lot of big kids a lot of kids that worked hard and good players and we were we were tough to beat at home but like i said we won a lot of games on the road too
1: yeah, you did. But some of those big players, like they had Dave Taylor, they had Colin Patterson, they had Craig Laughlin. The You know, Coach talked about the players from New York State. Yeah. Right? The Armstrong brothers from Messina. They only missed on one. They didn't get Steve. He decided to go to Northwood and then go to Harvard. So yeah. like, I can't believe you didn't get him. You had the inside knowledge. Well, they were mad. But we only gave uh, Bobby, I think, a three for four. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but the Armstrong brothers were all good players, no question.
1: They were they
0: were really good, Coach. And listen, you talk about going on that scouting trip. Then I mean, scouting today must seem like wow, these guys have it easy, considering all the driving you must have done back in the day. eh? Well,
2: I enjoyed it. When you're doing something you you really like, it's yeah. not really like work. And uh, every year I spent in hockey, and I I loved it. Uh, you know, it was just my dad was a hockey coach. My uh-huh. brother played in the NHL. Uh, my older brother played on uh, Tobago Indians and went to the All-Ontario Junior B Finals with Dryden in the net. And so, you know, hockey was uh, just part of my life and, uh, you know, a great part of it. I spent 30 years at Clarkson in one capacity or another and and enjoyed it all. And, you know, one day, Dave Taylor called me up and and uh, said, geez, you know, I want you to come to work for me. So I was uh, unique in that I was... Uh Jerry York's first hire and I was Dave Taylor's first hire Nice. Now, neither one of them ever said I was the best hire
1: <laughs> um, well coach they haven't told you but I was at Coach York's Hall of Fame induction and he whispered a few nice things about you in my ear And every time I see Dave Taylor we always talk about you so they think very kindly and heartily of you but, Jimmy I got to tell you this mm-hmm. coach recruited a player that never played in the NHL but I'm telling you right now he would have played in this NHL. His name's Dave Fretz. Coach, uh-huh. can you talk about the greatness of Dave Fretz as a college defenseman and how if the red line would have been out, he probably would have been a superior NHL player? Well,
2: probably as good a skater as, as, as I've seen. He could, uh, you know, you could have made films of his just his skating alone, but he was very solid and a smart kid in engineering. He missed like uh uh Dave King kept him on the Canadian Olympic team till right at the last minute, and then he let him go. and uh, Fretz missed the first two or three weeks of school one year, and he was in, in I think chemical or mechanical engineering. and He came back, never missed a beat. He was very bright and hardworking, just a really, really good college player. Great.
0: Really and yeah,
2: a little that I think they held it against him, you know, a little bit on the smaller side for the pros in those days.
0: Yeah. Right. Coach, I'm wondering, like that's a great point by Pierre that he probably would have made it with the red line out. I'm wondering as you you know, got towards that period when they finally did that, and you're you're scouting college. Do you see more players starting to transition into that style, whether it was scouting the pros or scouting college? Uh
2: I don't know. I think the, the rules over the years have helped the smaller skilled guys sure. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, you know, there's more teams now, too. There's more, you know, chance. You know, my younger brother, Jerry, OK, for instance, he was picked in 1970 draft 36th. He was the last kid in the third round. He's hoping that they get four expand by four four more teams, and then he'll be call himself a first rounder.
1: I think he was drafted by Toronto, wasn't he, Coach? Yes, he
2: was. was Hey, the worst thing Pierre is he's got five Stanley Cup rings, and I've got none.
1: Uh, Coach, you want me to let you borrow one of mine? (laughs) Yes,
0: because
2: well, as I've said, I used to say he he was the. I was the smart one. He was the rich rich one. But after he won his fourth, I said, he's both. He's the rich one and the smart one.
1: It's awesome. You know, Jimmy, I wanted to ask the coaches because I think it's really important that having Coach O'Flaher on is awesome. I'm so excited to have you on, Bill. Um, You talked about the New York State influence, and you talked about how you try to refine your recruiting. Have you seen hockey since you started at Clarkson in the late 60s? Have you seen hockey grow in the proper direction in the United States?
2: Oh, I think so. And I, I think a lot of it, you know, especially in the, the mass area where you spend a lot of time and Murph has, you know, Bobby Orr, I think said, you know, that whole Bruins thing in the Stanley cups there with S bone cashman, yep. Ace Bailey, who I love,
1: yep. you know,
2: that was a, uh, I think really started the development of a lot of mass high school and prep schools. And, you know, a lot of those kids today go out to, uh, the USHL, you know, and prep schools are struggling to get those kind of kids. They all go into the USA channel. You're right. But, uh, you know, funny story about Ace was, uh, you know, he I played on the uh, junior Edmonton Oil Kings, and uh, they came in 66. They won the Memorial Cup versus Bobby Orr led Oshawa junior wow. team. They are both brewing farm teams. Wow. And the West, for whatever reason – got to pick up two or three players, I think, uh, who weren't on the team. And there was so much interest in it. And uh, one of the guys they had was Alan Hamilton. I think it was a Ranger draft.
1: His numbers numbers retired in in Edmonton now. Is it really? Okay.
2: Well, it was like they moved the series. There was so much interest in it. They moved the series out of Oshawa and put it in Maple Leaf Gardens. And that Headlines like on the Toronto Star Sports would be uh, best in the West. Alan Hamilton about against best in the East and uh, Bobby Orr. Wow. And so the first game starts and it gets about two, two, three minutes into the game, and Orr picks it up behind his net and in vintage uh, Rex Steimer over the blue, the red, the blue, and snaps it up in the top corner. One nothing. Wow. Ace turns and shoves Alan Hamilton said, He's way better than you are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that's definitely ace. That's that definitely that is ace. I've had he was uh, the greatest. He was fun. I can tell you what, we had some very interesting evenings out on the road, whether it was on the prairie or in NHL cities. We had we had yeah. some fun nights together. Other than losing
2: my parents and one of my younger brothers, the saddest day of my life.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah,
2: my daughter got married in, on uh, Lake Placid on September 9th, and two days later they were gone.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. I, I used to, I, when I got out of college, guys. And was, Ace actually came with uh,
2: Bruce Boudreaux. Oh, wow. That's phenomenal.
0: Yep. Yeah, Bruce didn't go flight. Yeah, Ace was there. Uh, he was scouting a lot when I was working with the Islanders out of college, guys. And he would just take the, the, you know, like the people that check in, the media and all that, and the scouts. That's what I was doing for the Islanders then. And he would take us out for drinks after, and we would just be in stitches the whole night. I mean, it was uh, just like the story he was like a, jokes like a magnet, wasn't they? People just oh, gravitated awesome. to him. Yeah, yeah. Wayne Gretzky's first roommate, right?
1: That's correct. Uh, he said
2: he had, he had Gretzky. People ought to check their memorabilia because he had a. Gretzky's
1: signature down to a science. I think you're right. Billy, I got to ask you, you've been involved in a lot of rivalry games and I've coached in the rivalry. I know how bad it is. Um, Clarkson St. Lawrence is never friendly. You guys call it that other school down the road. I know, I know how you talk about them. (laughs) How intense Clarkson St. Lawrence in your eyes over the years? Well, You're right,
2: the two schools close together. uh, I think Clarkson's, uh, I think overall maybe a little more committed. Would you say that's a fair analyze situation? But, you know, it's one of those things. It's a war every time we play, and I, I don't think it matters all that much who's the better team because both teams, college hockey is such an emotional sport it, you know it's not always the talented team that wins it's the team that plays the hardest and wants it the most and you know and and goalies matter <laughs> you know whatever guy team has a hot goalie or a better goalie you know it's going to make a difference i remember jack parkins telling me that he he had a friend of his who had never gone to a hockey game he said well hey you know come on over watch us play on the weekend so his friend goes over and he comes back on Monday. Jackson, well, what'd you think of the game? He says, well, why don't why do they call it hockey? They should call it goalie. <laughs> it's
0: true. No, it's true. He's one hundred percent right. I yeah, agree. I agree. They, I wanted to um, oh, Pierre, were you gonna say? No, I'm listening. Okay. So, Billy, I want to you know, Pierre was mentioned about just the growth of hockey in the USA and what it's been like to see. But if getting more specific to where you were and and how you played a role in it, what has it been like for you to see? the amount of NHL players from upstate New York and that whole area, make it to the NHL and really have amazing careers. Well, I think in the old days too, to
2: be fair, I think first of all, my brother played major junior and went to, you know, played eight years in the NHL. So Mm -hmm. I think it's horses for courses. Some guys don't love school. They don't want to go to school. They just want to be players. Right, you know, college to me gave me an opportunity to be both. And you know the world is tough and it's nice to have a, a college degree to fall back on. Yep. Uh, but I think that most of the people involved in Pierre would, I think agree with me, would they owed a lot to the system, to the system. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you were a coach, if you hadn't played in the NHL, you had to prove that you could coach. Mm -hmm. An NHL player starting out, he's given the benefit of the doubt. He has to prove that he can't coach. And I think Pierre would agree with that. And I I think that people are loyal to the system that helped them get ahead. And that's just the way life is. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. It's just reality. Right.
1: I agree. Hey, Coach, you, you coached against him forever. I was a young guy coaching against him as an assistant coach. But Billy Cleary, Billy Cleary, Jimmy, the former right. head coach at Harvard is considered one of the best American-born players ever. Yeah, he never got a he never got a sniff in the NHL. And, and I guarantee, you, Coach Flaherty and Coach Cleary had some pretty major drag out fights as coaches. Would that be true, Coach? <laughs> oh yeah,
2: Billy's you know, hey, hey, and he, he had a good gig. He had that insurance. He had the insurance business going through that Harvard. They he, still
1: have it going. They still have it going. <laughs> That's where I buy my health care from, the Clearys.
2: Okay, but I got a lot of respect for Billy. I mean, you know, hey, you can't take it away from me. He won a lot of hockey games, and he was a smart hockey man. And he, you know, before the miracle, that team in Squaw Valley, was he was a big part of it. In
1: 1960, yeah. 100%. Coached by our good friend Brett Riley's grandfather.
0: Oh, that's right. Riley, just had so, yeah.
1: You know, everything ties up, and that's why we call the show The Eye Test, Coach O'Flaherty, because you're a guy – that recruited players not on numbers, but on the eye test, isn't it? Didn't you?
2: Well, I think that's where one of the things we both agree on. If, if uh, Gary Bettman had his way, you wouldn't even have any scouts.
0: Yeah. He's yeah. always
2: looking to save money for the owners, and they'd be doing it all by video.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, uh, yeah. you know, I'm with Pierre. I think it, that, that you can't measure the size of the heart and the will and the want. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's just uh, – it's just interesting the way hockey evolves and you know i like to see even change now like two years ago the the abs won it with a very offensive group of defensemen they mm-hmm. had Taves, i think they had uh Gerard, the small guy they yeah. had uh mccarr probably the best defenseman since bobby Orr. and yep.
1: then exactly. vegas comes
2: along oh, and for- they have you know Big Seb, Peter Angelo there had a lot of offense, but they basically, they weren't an offensive, defensive type of team. They, they yeah. you know, so you, there's different, uh, takes a lot of eggs to make the cake. Yeah. You know, you, you just, I don't know if there's a secret formula. The only formula that I know is have good special teams and a really good. If your goalie plays better than their goalie and your special teams are better, you got a chance
0: to win a lot of games. Yeah, but you need boots on the ground. Yes, I'm with you. I mean, you yeah. need boots on the. I, you know, I was worried coming out of COVID, how that would really hurt the scouting industry, so to speak, and whether there'd be cutbacks. And, and like in the last year, you're seeing way more scouts again in the press box, which I really I love because yeah. they're the best guys to talk. They're the they're the bloodline in my eyes.
1: Jimmy, well, Jimmy, one of those scouts you're talking about. I think, is one of Coach O'Flaherty's best players ever, Dave Taylor. And Mm -hmm. the recruitment of Dave Taylor is an amazing story. Uh, Coach York has shared it with me many times. But, Coach, why don't you talk about the recruitment of Dave Taylor and how good a player he really was when most people thought he would never play?
2: Well, first of all, the two gentlemen that uh, you mentioned, it's probably uh, one of the biggest or – greatest feelings in my whole life is that I was their first hire both of them but like I said neither one said I was the best one but we recruited Dave I went up and watched him I think first and I said Dave I came back and I told Jerry I said Jerry I think he's going to be really good but I don't know about next year he weighs 142 pounds Mm -hmm. and but you know what he came in and he was by Christmas time he was our best player he got better every day. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it now. He he just improved by leaps and bounds every day. And, you know, and he overcame some adversities here and there. Mm-hmm. And, but Jerry, I owe Jerry and Dave so much uh, because they did so many things for me, but uh, they took a chance on me and I hope that, and, and I, you know, I wanted to work as hard as I could when I got a, a chance to prove it, but you know, talk about great people. It took Dave 42 years to win his cup, and he, you know, finally got it in 2019 with the Blues. Didn't look good after they lost that sixth game in St. Louis, but came no, back and,
1: no, no, you no. know,
2: I would have bet a lot of money, I think, on Boston in that seventh game.
0: <laughs> well, especially
1: after the first period. Jordan Bennington, if it's not for him, they get smoked. Oh, yeah, in seven. Yeah. And Bennington it's
2: funny, what they were in uh, rock bottom in January.
1: Yeah. They were out of the playoffs.
2: Yeah, rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> But two two great, great people, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. I agree. I mean, Dave, Dave Taylor to me is the ultimate enigma because nobody could figure out how good he was because he wasn't a pretty skater. Coach could speak to well, that. But he was, he was a hard player. He had,
2: he had a yeah. few things. He was extremely intelligent. Yep. He saw the ice so good. Great passer. But he had the will and the want. I mean, you know, he's like a dog on a bone. He's not, you know, it didn't matter. He, he just had that work ethic, and he just got better and better, and stronger and stronger. And you know, his senior year, if you said to me, and I'm glad I'm talking to Pierre, and you guys know a fair amount of as much as I do about college hockey, but I was thinking the other day, and I, Pierre, you were at the uh, BC you UMass that. game. I last was. Sunday. And Jerry yeah. York was there. And Mel Donnelly was there. Oh, wow. Mike Donnelly. That. Okay. Who I worked, I had the privilege of working oh. with when I was with the Kings. Anyways, I was looking at thinking, you know, Mike Donnelly was a walk-on at Michigan State. He was. You now he goes on to have a very nice pro career with the Kings. He got 59 goals his senior year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dave Taylor got 108 points his senior year. And Paul Correa got 100 points his freshman year. Now, I don't know. Is there any way that if somebody out there is listening that it had better years than those three years in college hockey than those three yeah, guys?
0: No, I don't think so.
2: No. And so Mike Donnelly, this is a good one. I was a Pittsburgh Pirate fan. And, and they had a guy – in
0: 19
2: 19- – yeah. Dick Stewart, okay, played for the Pirates in the late 60s. And he hit 66 home runs in Lincoln, Nebraska. And he used to sign his name Dick Stewart, 66. So <laughs>
0: well,
2: I, I, al- I always wanted Donnelly to sign his name, Mike Donnelly, 59. <laughs> there
1: you go. <laughs> because well, of it's the 59 – like Sidney Wolves. Crosby. Sidney Crosby is 87 for a reason. He's born August 7th. 8 <laughs>
0: Well, wow.
2: but, but that's, uh, you know, that when you told me you were at that UMass, uh, I heard you say it on the, on the eye test, yeah. Yeah, you were at that game on. So,
1: yeah. well, that, that's, so, you know, you talk about Paul Korea. I remember watching him his freshman year. I was coaching in Hartford. I was working with Brian Burke. We were playing the Bruins on a Saturday night in Boston. Uh-huh. And so Brian and I and Paul Holmgren went that afternoon to watch Paul Korea. Maine was playing at BC and you could tell, like, he was vastly superior to any of the other players on the ice in that game. It wasn't even close. But if you think about it, one of the greatest orchestrations of the draft in terms of maneuvering, Brian did it. Brian Burke did it that draft in Quebec City, traded from fifth to second to get Chris Pronger. That's right. So, that's not a knock on Paul Career, Jason Arnott. Or well, how about Rashid the job Ryan? he
2: did getting the Sedin
1: twins? That was because other guys in the league didn't know what they were doing. I know. Right? I couldn't you. The 99 drafts, the worst worst draft in NHL history. And Burke got two Hall of Famers. Like, you can't make this stuff up. That's unreal. That's unreal. Korea went
2: third, didn't
1: he? He went fourth, I believe. Okay. I think Niedermeyer was third. Okay. You might might be right and I might be wrong, but I know. It was Niedermeyer, Ironhut, Korea. I'll pull it up right now, guys. That was the group. That was a group. Hey, but a 100 fre-
2: points as, fra- as a freshman. is. Oh, great. it was
1: unbelievable to see how good he was. It was amazing.
2: Jerry and I used to, as you know, we'd talk a lot. We thought if a kid in his freshman year got 10 goals, he had a heck of a season.
1: Oh, unbelievable. Year. Yeah. Hey, a Brady Kachuk had eight goals his freshman year at BU. He ended up being fourth in his draft year. Yeah. They, eight goals uh-huh. freshman year. they just scored 23 in the NHL the next year. I know,
0: it's crazy isn't it? It is. So guys, that draft too, I just pulled it up here. It went Dague, Pronger, Gratton, Korea, and Niedermeyer in the top there five. You go. Niedermeyer
1: that is. Yeah, Niedermeyer. So Gratton's a forgotten guy. Tampa took him at three. Yeah.
0: Speaking yeah. of Dague. Deg- he ended up playing in Buffalo, didn't he? Yeah. Speaking of Dague, guys, I guess Netflix just did a documentary on him. And what a, you
2: know,
1: to be blunt, what a bust. That
2: was the Senator's yes. pick, wasn't it?
1: It was, it was a center's pick, but you know what? I will say this about Alex. I think if he's he like a great guy, if he would have been drafted, is that Paul Castron
2: picking him here?
1: No, now be nice. You're <laughs> picking on a guy from Sudbury who's a North country guy now. And oh my gosh, Paul oh, I love
0: Kaz. I know
1: you do. I know you're joking. Uh, <laughs> that was a, uh, you know, who the late John Ferguson senior was involved with that. Oh, okay.
2: Okay. Well, my brother, uh, my brother scouted for Winnipeg. There's another good story. I get, I told you this the other day. Uh, well, Potsdam is a small place, but you know what? They've got four NHL general managers. Mike Smith. Yep. Either either uh, born in Potsdam or went to Clarkson. Mike Smith, who had the uh, Leafs, the Blackhawks, in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Taylor with the Kings. Yarmolkekelina with Columbus. Oh, and Craig on right now with the, yep. the Yarmo. I was telling him the Yarmo story the other day. My brother calls me up. He's scouting for uh, Winnipeg and says, in this 1986, and he says, uh, Billy, my next door neighbor is a guy named Bobby Barnes, and he works for Torso Sticks. He says he's got a kid from Finland who wants to come over. So I said, so I, Cap Raider our, was our coach at the time. I said, Cap, I think I got a player for you. And we had not taken very many, many kids' sight unseen, but we were going to take this one. So I, I said to my brother, well, how good is he? And John says, well, I was just at the World Junior at Cops Coliseum, and I saw the Finnish team play. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I can't remember Keek Lane, but if he can make that team, he can play for you guys. So we end up, we get Yarmo, and first week he comes over. I see him in the parking lot outside of an uh, uh, alumni gym, mm-hmm. and he speaks fluent English. Yes. He's got the Wall Street Journal in his back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> this is not an ordinary college kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and doesn't he become the first European GM? Yep. To be a co- and GM <laughs> in the NHL.
1: And you know what else, Jimmy? His brother ended up going, Yanni, his brother ended up going to Clarkson and playing there as well. Wow. And I, Jimmy, I want to tell you, because Coach thinks he's got this going on over me, but <laughs> research matters, okay? He had a, a lady that worked in his office at, at Clarkson whose son was a very good hockey player, but he went to Northwood. He left Potsdam to go to Northwood. Okay. So He ended up going to Clarkson as a player. He thought that St. Lawrence never recruited the guy. We actually did recruit the guy but he had this built-in internal mechanism called the mother. The mother worked for Coach O'Flaherty. It's Craig Conroy's mom. So don't tell me that you got that player and we didn't know who he was. His mother worked (laughs) for you, for goodness (laughs) sakes. Come on. Well, there's
2: some interesting stories there, too, with uh, Randy Sexton recruited me to uh, work for Florida. Uh And when I had recruited Randy really hard – you know, and I lose him to St. Lawrence. And, you know, he, you know, one of the few kids who I really, really want. I mean, he was tough, hard nosed, really tough, mean, you name it. He was tough. all of the above. He was. I, and I coached the JVs, and, you know, I would go over and tell the rep before the, the first year or so, say, that kid ought to get a penalty every play. Every play, he ought to get a penalty with <laughs> 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 him was Randy Saxon. And so then, as Pierre knows, his son, Ben, there was a battle, recruiting battle between Clarkson and St. Lawrence. And so George Rowe calls me up and says, Geez, you think you could help us with Ben Sexton? I said, Well, I'll call Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I says, Randy, because Randy's had a little Clarkson in him too, because he got his MBA well, at Clarkson. MBA
1: though, exactly. He got exactly. his MBA.
2: So yeah. I said to him, Randy, no good father would. Let his son make the same mistake he did, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. and Clarkson got him. They do. And he's a
2: good Every player. got hurt a lot. Anyone
1: listening or there. watching, here's your tricks of the trades to recruiting. Uh, yeah. You know what? Though? Randy has so much respect for Coach O'Flaherty. Talked about hiring him down in Florida, and uh, Randy's just one of my best friends in hockey. I can't say enough good things about him. But Coach talks about how tough he was. He was nasty, man. He was a a bulldog. He was a nasty guy on the ice. Yeah.
0: Coach, who who were you working with when I met you when uh, Kevin Stevens introduced us way back? I think it was Pittsburgh, I think. Well, you were with Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, one year in Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah. And then uh, Randy got me. uh, Okay. I, I, you know, I loved it in Pittsburgh too. Ray Shiro treated me great. They never Another let
1: St. Me Lawrence it, guy, Jimmy. You know, Another St. Lawrence guy sleeping with the enemy.
2: <laughs> hey, they
0: never let me forget it either. <laughs> I love it. I love oh, it.
1: Oh man. That was
0: right. Was that the beginning of uh of Shiro's tenure there when he first started? Uh he had been there uh I think
2: he had been there two or three years, maybe. Okay, okay. but they were not uh that's a good question. No, I think there were a lot of changes there at that yeah, time.
0: I remember that. And, uh,
2: they were tired of losing. I know that. Yeah. You know, they, was, were a, they were turning around with, with Sid. The year that I was there, they we had a, like a 44 point game or a gain in the standings. And that was probably the, at the time, I think the second or third biggest. It was Malkin's first year. Yeah. Okay. And they, just, you know, we lost out to Ottawa. We give him a heck of a fight. Ottawa had some great teams, those early oh, yeah. 2000 those teams. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know Alferson and uh Jacques Martin was a coach in there at the time. Mm-hmm. They had some really good teams. They yeah. And uh, was a heck of a player. Oh yeah.
1: He, was. he really was. That was it. That was a John Ferguson senior, too. There were two guys at John stole, Pavel Demetra, the late Pavel Demetra. Oh, he's Daniel a- Alfredson. That was all. The last Fergie. player
2: taken in the draft,
1: wasn't he? Yeah, he was a late round pick, and the reason why he went late, he hurt his ankle playing tennis, and he slipped in the draft, and people forgot he was even playing. He didn't play his draft wow. year, but Fergie had unbelievable notes on him. It was Fergie that drafted him. Yeah. Oh, he had a ton of talent, didn't he? Oh, so much talent. We had his agent on the other day, Coach Matt Cater, and he said, without a doubt, of all his clients, like this guy represents Sadane Ochari, represents Adam Fox. You know, you Blake Wheeler, you talk, he's got a murderer's role of players. He said, without a doubt, the most talented guy he ever represented was Pavel Dimitri.
2: Ugh. Yeah. Well, Clarkson Clarkson's had some goalie issues this year, and Matt Cater delivered Fowler over to BC. So <laughs> I throw that in there. <laughs>
0: Now, Montreal listeners and uh, viewers are very excited oh, about that's him. Good, tell that's
1: you. good. That's good. Good stuff, Coach. Good stuff. Oh, darn. Well, He's we're going to let the coach go, Jimmy. Yeah, we'll let him go, but not uh, because we'll, we want to. But we've got we've got to answer a bunch of questions here today, Coach. Okay. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for having me. Coach. Oh, are you good kidding me? This is been awesome. We can't soon. thank you enough. Yeah. I'll, six, I'll go look at your property late. tomorrow when I'm over in Potsdam, okay? I'll go look at the okay. building go. <laughs> Have a good evening. Don't forget to right. go to the buffet. I won't forget tomorrow, night, <laughs> coach. I promise. I'll go. I promise. See, See you later. Right.
2: Have a good one. Thanks, coach.
1: guys. Coach Billy O'Flaherty
0: joining us here on the iTest oh, on the Sick Podcast Network. Sweet. Oh, man. It's great. You're just
1: just Reminds me a lot of Scotty. Oh, my here. gosh. And, and he is. You know, he's just 12 years younger. But I'm just telling you. This is a special hockey man. You know, I I remember it would have been 88, the spring of 88. I was offered six different college jobs, and one of them was at Clarkson, and I went and spoke to Coach O'Flaherty and to Mark Morris, who was taking over as the coach. And the first thing I thought of was, like, everything I thought about this guy is wrong. Mm -hmm. He's unbelievably personable. He's really smart. He's passionate beyond belief. He really understands players he blew me away when I did the interview with him and then I obviously got offered the job and I I didn't, I didn't take it. I went to St. Lawrence just because of my relationship with Joe Marsh. But I would tell you of all the different job opportunities I've had over the years, he was the one that when I did the interview with him, he blew me away. I was like, Whoa, this guy's really good. He's an awesome human. He really really is.
0: is. He's great. I just, I remember those days when he was, when he was at Pittsburgh there and just talking with him and Stevens a lot in the press box. And he was great. He was just 10. That was right when I was starting off, Pierre. And he, he'd always be encouraging. Keep pushing, kid. You got you know what you're doing. Keep pushing. Yeah. And um, I remember when I got on Nesson, the first time I was ever on Nesson, he reached out to me, and said, Was that your ugly
1: mug on Nesson that I saw? <laughs> and Mr. So I'll tell you, you know what we talked a lot of times about mentorship on this show? Yes. Because it's really important.
0: It is well, it in is. anything.
1: So he mentored – you look at all the guys that are coaching in college hockey like that we think are really good coaches. Terry Mahar had an unbelievable career as a coach, mentored by Billy O'Flaherty. Uh, you look at the guys, all the guys that worked with Jerry York, Greg Brown, Mike mm-hmm. Cavanaugh. You go look at them all, mentored by our guy, Coach yep. O'Flaherty. It, it's, ama- it's amazing – His fingerprints are on so many different programs, Jimmy. It it really is truly amazing. And that's the part, I guess, when I proposed that we had him on, that's the part that doesn't get the payback and it deserves it. And that's why if I have anything to say about it, I'm always going to acknowledge those guys that helped all these young coaches get better because this is where I think there's one problem in coaching today in the NHL and in college in particular. I can't speak to the major junior because it's a different animal. and that is the great mentors are all getting old Mm -hmm. and they haven't been able to touch these young guys coming up now. Yeah. And I think that's hurt coaching. Mm -hmm. I do. I'd agree. I think it has, you know, guys go to these coaching symposiums and that's great, but they're really impersonal. They really are. They're not, when you're mentored by somebody, it's a personal relationship. Mm -hmm. And, And people are invested in it. Like I talk to coach via text almost every day. I talked to Terry Mahard probably once every two weeks. Yeah. You know, I coached against Terry a lot. But I, even though we had an acrimonious his team versus our team, right. we still talked all the time. There was mentorship there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the forgotten part of our business. I, I think I shared this with you. And i hate sorry to be long-winded, but I'm passionate Enough. about this. I remember coaching Hartford. I was really young. I had just been, I think, 31, I think I was. Yeah, And – the equipment manager for the Islanders would always come down to our room when we would play in New York.
0: He did. I remember that. And, and he
1: would say, Coach Arbor would like to see him. At the first time, I, oh, what did I say? What did I do? He's going to rip me apart. And I'd sit in his office and he'd say, you want a cigarette? Want a coffee? You know, <laughs> and I'd be like, well, I don't smoke, but I'll drink the coffee. And, and we wouldn't even talk about hockey. We'd talk about yeah. life. Like, how's your yeah. family? Got any kids? What was your relationship like with Scotty Bowman? Like Peace. all these different things. You think guys do that today? No, not a chance. No, not a chance. And yeah. that's—I think that I learned so much from Al. I learned so much from Al. I obviously learned so much from Bob Johnson, and I couldn't learn any more than I did from Scotty Bowman. I'm just right. I spoke to Scotty today before we came on the show. We were, yeah. you know, and he was mad because he couldn't get his couldn't get on a golf course he wanted to get on. <laughs> I said, why do you call the Tampa Bay Ladies? Because I don't want to get them involved. <laughs> uh, and, and one of the reasons why we were talking is the man that ended Scotty's career as a player, John Guy Talbot, passed away today. Yeah. And John Guy actually hit Scotty over the head in a junior game with a stick. Wow. And that ended Scotty's career as a player. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And wow. so everybody thought Scotty was always mad at John Guy. It's a great story. and I'm just rolling into it because. Yeah. It's from the call today. Jean-Guy Talbot, Scotty picked him up when they needed depth on defense in, in wow. St. Louis. This is the guy that ended his career. But uh-huh. Scotty told me the last five or six years as Jean-Guy got older and Scotty got older, Jean-Guy would send a note to Scotty or Jean-Guy's wife would send a note to Scotty and call. Can you imagine? Check on, yeah. But, but this is what I'm talking about. That's the stuff that used to happen. There was respect, even though there might've been animosity, there was respect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that happens anymore, Jimmy. I don't know. And that's why these legends like Billy O'Flaherty and Jerry York and Jack Parker, I want to have, I want those guys on. Like I want to show show how great these men are. Yeah. How great these men, they're really great men. They're amazing men.
0: I I totally agree, Pierre. And I mean, I agree with you that, you know, they need men. We need more mentors. I'm wondering, Pierre, as you're saying this, and it wouldn't be able to be, obviously, on a full-time basis, but wouldn't it be a bright idea if, you know, whether it's an NHL team, an NCAA team, if they, let's call them mentoring consultants, per se, hire somebody in that position, like a Billy O'Flaherty, right, to come in on a once- or twice-a-month basis just to let people pick their brains, and then relationships can form from that. And you know guys like Billy or other mentors out there they'll give them their number and say, call me when you need me. And, and that just to have those avenues for young players and young coaches right now would be tremendous. I
1: totally agree. So I will tell you, let the cat out of the bag. In, in some of my interviews for general managers positions, they would ask me, how would your staff look? Mm-hmm. And I say, one of the things at the end, I tell them different names of people I'd like to hire. And then at the end, I say one of the things I think is missing in the NHL today is veteran life presence, guys that can teach you about life in yep. hockey, so I was thinking, here's Kenny Martin, seven hundred and seven wins at Belmont Hill, the winningest co- at that time, the winningest coach all time in prep school hockey. He's just been passed by John Gardner at Avon Old Farms. Uh-huh. Um, he would, he's been a long time Latin teacher, an unbelievable guy, uh, an ama- amazing human being. He would be an amazing life coach with an NHL team. That's Joe awesome. Marsh, who I ran with so many miles wow. and we visited today at the practice at the practice at Appleton That's Arena, great. and and. Joe Marsh would be an amazing guy. I know Randy Sexton and Ray Sherrill both talked about hiring Joe Marsh. He was another guy. Billy O'Flaherty and Ray and Randy both hired yeah. him. You yeah, know, I go down the line. You're so spot on. And, yeah. and by the me. way, we don't rehearse this, just so everybody knows. We never rehearses. So my, my whole thing, Jimmy, is I do think there's a vehicle for that, and these are guys that don't have to break the bank. They've already made their money. Yeah. Yeah, I'm They with you. want to stay relevant in the game and they want to pass on knowledge and help people. Yep. You know, when I one of the great things I ever experienced was being with Badger Bob mm-hmm. and whether it was on a charter aircraft in the playoffs or visiting with him when he was ill at the hospital mm-hmm. and and the life lessons that I learned from him. And Scott, can you imagine my my first years in the league? I had Bob Johnson, Craig Patrick and Scotty Bowman. Like, think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are amazing mentors, I'm life lessons.
0: You we were blessed.
1: Blessed. And, yeah. and so every year that's gone by, and now it's we're over 35, almost 35. Right. I think about that. And I'm I'm saying I'm watching all these different teams and guys with really good careers, guys with not so good careers, and guys that could have great careers, but they're still not aware. Yeah. You got to think there's a vehicle for it, Jimmy. I'm with and you we don't rehearse the show, but I'm really proud of you for saying what you said because you're right. Oh,
0: I mean, no, Pierre. I mean, I've told you a million times how much Russ Conway meant to so, yeah, I me. Mean, yeah. If I didn't have him, I don't know where I'd be. You know, people yeah. like him, like you, uh, you know, everyone needs that in every field. So I, I just think, yeah, they're missing out on it. I will say, as I was, as we we're talking here, I, I want to do give credit out of any team in the NHL, really the only one that I've seen make a concerted effort, and you know this period is the Canadians, they do do that.
1: Um, well, I, I think the history is so strong there. Um, yeah. You know, I, I remember when Gee was around the team a lot. I remember when Mario Tromley was around a lot. I remember, obviously, our good friend Chris Nyland, who's there now, yeah. uh, doing so – I think Chris makes a big difference because he can attack oh, it from yeah. so from so many different things in his life. So you're right – I, I think the Rangers did it pretty well for a long time, yeah. especially yeah. when they lost the Fairly around. Yeah. You know, I think they're starting to do it. I think the Bruins are starting to do it more. But you know, it's it's the O'Flaherty's, it's the Bowman's, it's the yes. Parkers, it's the it's the yeah. Yorks, it's the Martins, it's those guys that really they transcend so many errors. They do. And, like I don't know how many people think about this, but think about Scotty Bowman's mentors, mm-hmm. O'Blake. Frank Selke Sr., Sam Pollock. Like, those are the three greatest builders in the history of the game. Yeah. That's who he learned from. And then then he comes and he passes on that knowledge to other people.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, know. whether it's Barry Smith or whether it's Dave Lewis or or whether it's Roger Nielsen or whether it's Pierre Maguire or whomever. Yeah. It's amazing. So, all that stuff gets passed on. And I think we're losing that generation because. They've kind of been pushed to the side. Yep. And it's not right. No. I'm just yeah. telling you, it's not right. Like, yeah. If I had a team now, if I had a team now, how could you not have Scotty Bowman working for you or Billy O'Flaherty? How could you not do that? Yep.
0: I know. I know. It, it, it's just, it makes too much sense. That's why it's not done, Pierre. Because yeah. <laughs> nothing makes sense these days.
1: Sorry for but, being so passionate about that. No, it's all
0: right. And, you know, Pierre, quickly before we move to the questions, and I know yeah. we got to go quick, but I know we'll talk about it maybe Monday it's funny this topic comes up. I was so disturbed by that report about Mark Bergman last week and the alumni. I don't know enough about it. We don't have to comment on it now, but I'm just thinking if that's the case, what was he thinking? Because it's saying right now, that's why you need those guys around. It's not just for show. It's it's to help the current roster, to help the current staff.
1: One of Scotty Bowman's greatest lines to me was, Pierre, even a fish wouldn't get caught if he kept his mouth shut. So I'm not going to talk about that.
0: All right. I understand. Noted. But I just vent, you know, I just thought it was funny as it had happened. Let's go to these questions. All right. Randy Workman, Jimmy, if you're asking questions, can you ask Pierre? Well, you can ask him right now, Randy. <laughs> how much does the GM include coaches about the players to acquire?
1: Depends on how comfortable the coaches are. The general manager is with the coach. Mm -hmm. And if he thinks he's a long term solution at coach or a short term, if he thinks he's a short term, probably doesn't talk to him very much. If he thinks he's a long term, he trusts him and he talks to him. A lot of that comes down to internal relationships. Sometimes these managers get a coach hoisted on them by the owner. Yeah. And if that's the case, then the manager's not that comfortable. Yeah. So it depends on the relationship. But I'd say in this NHL, maybe a little bit more back in the day when I was doing it. Nah.
0: Let no. Let me ask you, Pierre, too, in terms of uh, would it happen more with a team that's in a rebuilding mode, per se the Montreal Canadians, because they're trying to get everybody on the on the you know on the ground floor, get everybody on the same page going forward.
1: Yeah, I'd say yes. The answer is yes. And I also I've seen those guys behind the scenes. I'm talking about the coaches and the management and, mm-hmm. and the ownership, even with Jeff Molson. They are really unified. There's really no lack of unity there. So I think that's a great point, Jimmy, that yep. you're raising. Yep. Good stuff.
0: All right. Let's go to the next question. Evan McLaren, 1,000% agree with Pierre that the Penguins have a traceable asset in their goaltenders, either Ned or Jerry, but where would that leave them? How ready is Bloomquist to begin work in the NHL?
1: That's a good question. It's a really good question. It doesn't – it's not a fast answer either. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's one yeah. of those where I don't think – nhl starting ready does Mm, that maybe
0: maybe backup
1: yeah i'd say like a b situation not an a situation right now
0: one thing i would say that could help them though evan and this maybe answer the question too is if they do decide to do go through with one of those trades there's goalies coming up on the free agent market there's going to be goalies available you know mid-grade starters that you don't have to throw too much money at that they could bring in as they start to build yeah
1: that's Really better said by Jimmy than by me. <laughs> I like that. That's, no, no, good. No. That's, good. That's um, good.
0: All right. Next question. Justin LeBron, what do you think of the Bruins' Flames overtime? That was awesome. It was that really was good.
1: good. Yeah. How could you not like that? I mean, that was fun, you know? But how about the Bruins, Jimmy? You know, they had that stinky home record for the last five or six games when they mm-hmm. were on that homestand. And then they go out and go into Edmonton and win. Back-to-back, back, they get an OT point. Now they've got a day to rest before they play in Vancouver. They're just resilient. They just don't go away. Yeah, They just don't go away. But I think you agree, Donnie Sweeney is going to make their team better before the trade deadline.
0: He is. He He's is. He's going
1: to make their team better. What it is, we don't know. You and I have been on the record for a long time, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. If you disagree, save the card. Shut up. But they're they if they can get Noah Hannafin, they've done their job. The management's right. done their job. They've done yep. their job. That's I'm all. with
0: you. And, but if they
1: don't get them, they better get somebody that's really good. That's yeah. all I'm saying.
0: And, and you know, they're going to have to use players. That's the bottom line. They They'll need, have
1: to use players. Yeah. They may have to use a couple of their prospects. They don't have a lot of them, but they may have to use some prospects. Mm-hmm. They may have to.
0: That's the big dilemma here. Yeah. Everybody's in love with Potra, but
1: I, I know. But, know but, uh,
0: I, I love Potra too. I think he's a great player.
1: Yes, he, 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 he is. Not,
0: But For you got to give to get.
1: You want to get something like that, you got to pay.
0: Yeah, you got to do a hockey yeah. trade. Yeah. All right, next question. Morant, dear gentlemen, how much of the Laval Rockets do you watch and cover? Are there any observations about their play lately? That goes right to Pierre. He watches I, a ton.
1: I watch a ton. I watch all the American Hockey League. I was just with Kevin Deneen, the really smart coach of the Utica Devils. Um, so I watch a lot. Uh, I watch Belleville a lot just because I know David Bell, the coach there. I watch Iowa a lot. I mean, I watch most of the teams. Um, Laval had a really bad start and they're starting to pick it up. And even though they've lost some players up to the NHL team, they've become relevant in terms of a playoff position, which is really exciting for them because at the beginning of the year it wasn't looking good, yeah. Um, but I think they're doing some good things again. I think patience is the key word in Montreal and Laval, yep. And, and I think they've done that. And Jean Francois, the coach there, has done a really good job. I was,
0: I want to say that I don't know much about it, but I watch from afar and I listen yeah. to you talk about it with Mitch Melnick, Pierre. And I remember when everybody was kind of freaking out, like They're, that team's not doing well. It's not yeah. good.
1: No, they got it back. He, turned around. It around. he did yeah, a great job. Kelly Buckberger is one of his assistants. He's done a good job. And, and Daniel Le Perrier, Jacques leperriers son the other assistant, uh, Martin Martin. And so um, there's a lot of good stuff going on there. I, I think it just, yeah. the fa- by the way, the crowds,
0: I was just going to ask you, have the been crowds game in Laval
1: before? are awesome. Oh, like, I got to get nine there. to 10,000 yeah. every night. It's it's. Yep. A- they're printing money. Let me tell you that. They're printing see, money. There. You know what?
0: I got to see, Pierre. Maybe if they're playing while well, I'm up there in March, I'll yeah, check no, out I'll, a game. I I'll, go I'll take you as my guest. All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. Another question. we got time for about three more. Not a question, but the team at play played against sports uh, misses you, Pierre.
1: <laughs> you know what? Um, that means that means a lot to me. Yeah. Um, for people who memory. don't know,
0: that's that's a company in Montreal, right?
1: Yes. A lot of really good memories in that store with my son when he was starting out in hockey. And uh, yeah, awesome. really appreciative of those folks.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you for checking in there. Uh, next question. Mitch Balin, Pierre, did you ever scout native provincials for player before they got some hard hitters at those tournaments?
1: Um, well, I mean when I was at St. Lawrence, I used to spend a lot of time at the it was the Air Canada Cup back then. Uh it's changed so much now, but I spent a lot of time there. You know who one of the players was that I saw playing at the Air Canada Cup? Was our friend Freddie Harbinson. Oh wow. um uh, he played for the Calgary team. Uh that Michael Stewart ended up from that team being a first round pick okay. of the New York Rangers. Uh he ended up going to Michigan State, but he was on that team with Freddie Harbinson. Um and so I used to do a lot at different levels. I don't really understand the context of the question, but I used to go. I spent a lot of time in Saskatchewan, a lot of time in Manitoba, a lot of time in Alberta, a lot of time in interior BC. Not so much uh, on the coast, but in the interior. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot, of time in a lot of different places. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm on pretty cash. To that. song, that's gonna be the no, song. you know what, Jimmy? I gotta say, it, I just, love, I just love doing it. You know, I, I know. Love- I loved when when Billy said that too.
0: You know, he said. I just love doing it. It wasn't a job to me. You know, like that. I the, was the like, I love from, doing this.
1: The, the email from the guys that played against sports meant so much to me just now because every, even when I go into a hockey sports shop, like those people are trying to grow the game. They care about the people that yep. play. They're so full of expert information. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so, like, I get that. And I remember when Ryan was like two years old and he was skating. He was actually skating. He was riding a, yeah. riding a two-wheel wow. bike when he was two. Cause my wife ran over the training wheels on his bike, and he figured it out. So I, you know, like, oh, and they were such good memories. Like, I he was one kid I can just tell you, and I hate to, you know I hate to talk about Ryan public, yeah. but he was one kid. Like back in those days in Montreal, like the young kids started at like five o'clock in the morning on the ice. Right, right. When I come back from road trips, I you know sleep two or three hours, and then I'd say time to go to hockey. He'd already be up.
0: Yeah, He'd be ready to go.
1: Like Let's He wasn't go. one of those kids you had to like shake him and get him out of bed. <laughs> he wanted to go. And, and you know, I watched him at the morning skate today. And I was thinking about all the years. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. It goes by fast, I bet. It does. It's going by fast for me. I got my 12-year-old daughter here this weekend. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And she became it. 12. <laughs> all right. Next question. Randy Workman. Jimmy, what do you think Ooh. of Mark last night? I thought he was Great. fabulous. I mean, the Bruins came, you know, they started slow, but they came on at the end there, and he was big. He had some help from uh, the goalie's best friend a couple times, but uh, he was good. He was good.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes Patrick Waugh used to kiss those posts. Mark andre Fleury does it too. I didn't see Marc yeah. do that, but he easily did. I mean, if Jimmy, if you really thought you had a chance to win the cup and you thought goaltending was an issue – and you are prioritizing who you would try to get yeah. right now that might be available. Marchman has to be in the top two, right? Yeah. Not, Does he? Yeah. Like in your he's opinion, like, I think he no, has to no, be. he's
0: right there. He's number one, on the so market. You have
1: one. I am in the top two. And, and here's, it's just a thought. Cause I reading that in Minnesota. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with flower. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, I don't, I don't know, but here's what I do know. I've known Mark Andre unbelievably well since 2002, like really well. And I think he's got one more kick left in him. I don't think he's got more than one more kick, but I think he's got one more kick yep. left in him. And it doesn't mean he can run the table in a four-series Stanley Cup run. But you get that experience and that mentorship and that passion. Uh-huh. He might be a cheaper way to make your goaltending position better. Yep.
0: And I'm looking at you, Colorado Avalanche. That That's just my – I think he'd be a great fit there. All right. Next question. Last Penn's question. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, no, Evan. Never, never, apologize. Last question. never apologize. Never, ever, ever. My partner here is always a penguin. Remember that last yeah. Penn's question. Matthew Phillips seems scrappy and talented as heck to have made it to this level, but he also seems completely out of his depth. Am I judging too hastily?
1: No, no, you're not. Um, they gave him an opportunity, obviously, Got an opportunity in Washington as well, waiver pickup. Um, it's an opportunity. They're trying to keep their roster fluid. I get it. Um, but it just hasn't worked out for Matthew. It doesn't mean he's not a hard worker. It doesn't mean that he can't play in, in spots um, in the NHL. But to say that he's an everyday NHLer, Jimmy, I, I would think that that's a reach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And one thing, though, to Pierre right now, might be better off for him down in the A, just with everything that's kind of going on in Pittsburgh. Maybe he just... It's a better environment. Who knows? All right. Last question here. Vid Zombie hearing Zach Guy rave the other night about David Savard and how important he is to the young defense. Would you be hesitant to trade him this year? That's
1: I would. I, I per- I've i been saying this. I personally would. Um, he's a shot blocker. He's a penalty killer. He's a big body. Mm-hmm. He's proud. He's So not a lot of guys are lining up to come back and play in Montreal. He lined up to come back and play in Montreal. He's a really proud guy. He's a Stanley Cup winner. Um, I love, there's our mentorship again, Jimmy, we talked exactly. about um, with the young defenseman. I'm so happy Arbor saluted that and acknowledged it. Um, and Arbor's a tough cat. <laughs> He's a tough guy for sure. Jimmy, how about the shot the other day? Oh. He hammered that. Yeah. He, yeah. he hammered that. Um, yeah. So no, I I I don't know. I would not be in a rush to trade David. I think there'd be teams lining up to pay to get him.
0: Yeah, for so, sure. I know um, we're up against a clock, and I want to continue that because so Pierre, we can do
1: a couple more. Like I just okay, feel bad I, for I, you. Yeah, guys I would just gonna,
0: you know chime in on that too. Like why? And I think it's more the media that does this. I don't think that as much as the media portray, portrays it. The GMs these days are in such a hurry to get rid of those guys, those vets, even if they're rebuilding. I know it's tempting. You want to get picks, you want to get prospects, what have you, or you—you you got a cap issue. Sometimes you don't have a choice. But Pierre, I—I'm I starting to see sometimes they just hold on to those guys because they are valuable.
1: Do you look at? I'm just going to throw one name at you. Most people don't even know he plays in Philadelphia. Do you don't think Mark Stahl's helped the Philadelphia Flyers? Great call. Great. You don't think he has? So here's the deal. Sometimes you got to know everything about the player. Mm-hmm. Is Mark as fast as he used to be? No. Is he as strong as he used to be? No. But is his brain better? 100% it is. Who coached him when he broke into New York? John Tortorella. Exactly. You don't think John went to Danny Briere and Keith Jones said, listen, our defense is really young. We're, we're going to have issues now. here this guy's going to be an extension of our coaching staff because he can tell the young guys when I'm getting mad at them, (laughs) calm down. It's okay. Yep. You know, I I remember Scotty telling me the story. Scott Doug Harvey was in St. Louis, but he was a player coach in Kansas city for their farm team. And Scotty went down to scout one night and, and he said to Doug, who are your three best players? And Doug said, player A, player B, and me. And me. And And Scotty goes, Doug, you know, you're a player coach. You're like 40 years old. You know, he's no, I'm one of the top three guys. So Scotty calls him up for a playoff series against Philadelphia and they play in the spectrum. You can go look it up. Uh He played more minutes than anybody else in the game. Doug Harvey, he ran the game and St. Louis went to the Stanley cup final three years in a row in their infancy. But the first one, it was Doug Harvey.
0: That helped him get there.
1: So, there you go. Those veteran guys are worth their weight and go. We win 91 and 92 in Pittsburgh. Gordy Roberts was a huge part of it. And, Gordy, I hope you're watching. I think the world, yeah, and Gordy knows, but
0: yeah.
1: I think I told you the story when when I just went to, Gordy doesn't have it tonight. And we're in Chicago in game four. And he just laid it. He he was <laughs> dropping bombs on me like something else. <laughs> and I thought at the end of the game, after we went, he was going to come and punch me right in the mouth. And he goes, I apologize. You were right and I was wrong and made the right call. Wow. And those guys matter. They matter a lot. They, they, they totally matter. do. And yeah. speaking of that team, our man Kevin
0: Stevens just texted me, Pierre. I just saw it now. I wish I saw it when Billy was on. But uh, he said, tell Billy O'Flaherty I say hello. He's one of my favorite people in the game. So there you Oh, go.
1: you know what? Well, Kevin Stevens is one of our favorite people. People we got to get really, him on. Soon. Yeah, we think the world of Kevin. And all I can tell you, the stampeding elephants, John Cullen, Kevin Stevens, mm-hmm. and Mark Reckey, they kept kicking the boards. They didn't think they played enough. <laughs> <laughs> stampeding <laughs> elephants on the bench. <laughs> the option line, all three guys playing out their option. I don't think you'd see that today with those three guys. Not, no, not no. Time, no way.
0: All right, let's do one more here.
1: Mike, yes, Arbor, yes, Arbor yes. Jack guy equals the eye yes, test. We can go Mike. Well yes, said, Mike. Arbor Jack guy is the eye test. Yep, hundred percent, Mike.
0: That Love might it. be the
1: comment of the day.
0: It might. We're gonna have. We're gonna do some clips, right? We're gonna put these in our intro uh, sometime.
1: Coach O'Flair Coacho Flair is a big eye test guy. I know Kevin yep. Stevens is a big eye test guy. Yeah, but, but, you know people forget this. Kevin got traded for a guy. I think his name was Anders Hawkinson. Hmm. was traded from Pittsburgh to LA. Kevin was drafted by LA. People forget that. That's right. He wasn't drafted by Pittsburgh. He he was a trade. And I think it was Tony Esposito that actually made the trade with Luangati, if I remember correctly. Um, So that they, he was acquired, but I think the guy's name was Anders Hawkinson, if I remember correctly. And, And Kevin was amazing player, but it was eye test. Kevin was an eye test player. He wasn't, a, he wasn't an analytic player. He was
0: an eye test player. The proud of Silver Lake Mass. There you go. And a Boston College guy as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking up. You, you nailed it, Pierre. Traded by the Los Angeles Kings to the Pittsburgh Penguins on September 9th, 1983, in exchange for Anders Harkinson. There you go. There you go.
1: My, you know from- what, Jimmy? I'm glad the synapses are still connected. Oh, so- they're there. You, you, you are not be related
0: to Scotty or Billy, but you got, you got the same vibe. So you're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, thanks to Billy O'Flaherty for joining us here on the eye test. Appreciate it. And reminder too, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about it on Monday, but we want to welcome aboard our, our new sponsors factor. Yes, factor. Uh, Thank you for Looking yep. forward to getting that package and tasting their wonderful food. And thanks to our production crew in Montreal. And, Pierre, uh, we could say our guest, I think, for Monday. Yes. Excited. We're
1: going into the women's hockey world, Jimmy. That's and, right. Uh, one of the real bright lights in the coaching front uh, in the Ivy Leagues and all around is uh, the young lady that's coaching at the Princeton University. They play a playoff game tomorrow. There you go. Tomorrow against Brown University. Carol Maury. Correct. There we go. There we go. Yeah. We will
0: have her on to talk Princeton and some women's college hockey on the eye test and yep. over the weekend We will formulate another guest list for you. I know you guys are loving the guests and we love it too. Thanks to the viewers and listeners Pierre. Thanks to you. I'm Jimmy Murphy. This has been another edition of the eye test on the sick podcast
1: network. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google play, and Apple Podcasts.